Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. Fighting a wildfire in Texas, watching a sinkhole swallow eight priceless sports cars, cutting pollution with chainsaws. Hear Chubb customers tell their stories at chubb.com slash podcast. And stay tuned after the show to hear how a new broadband network will deliver the Internet to 40 million people in Mexico. Can you figure out what's wrong in this Iron Man 3 scene by Rhett Elaine? Late at night, I tend to flip through the channels just to see what's up. If there's a good movie on, I might watch part of it. And recently, I stumbled on Iron Man 3. I know what you're going to say. That's a terrible superhero movie. But I disagree. Fantastic Four. Now that's a terrible superhero movie. Iron Man 3 wasn't so bad. Especially not that part where Tony Stark has to go to the store and MacGyver his way into a temporary suit. However, I did notice something annoying in a scene near the end. Iron Man needs to recharge his suit and he improvises by connecting two cables, one red and one black, from a car battery to his suit. When he is mostly charged up, he pulls off the cables, one at a time. First, he pulls the red cable off, and it creates a slight sparking effect. Right after that, he pulls off the black cable, and it also makes a spark. See the mistake? One of the cables could easily make a spark, but not both. But why? Of course, that is the question. And now for the answer. What causes a spark? You can get a spark when air changes from an electrical insulator into an electrical conductor. This happens not at a certain electrical potential difference, voltage, but at a certain electric field strength. Let me explain the difference with an example. Suppose you have two wires connected to a 9-volt battery with the free ends of the wires held just one centimeter apart. The electrical potential difference between these two ends in 9 volts. That's probably not a huge surprise. If I move the wires closer together, they still make a 9-volt potential. However, the electric field depends on both the potential and the distance. As I move the wires closer together, the electric field gets stronger between the two wires. The electric field is the gradient of the electric potential and measured in units of volts per meter. I know you didn't like that example, so how about an analogy? Instead of electric stuff, I have a hill. The height of the hill is like the change in electric potential. 
The slope of the hill at some point would be the electric field. So now I have a nine-meter-tall hill instead of nine volts. As the bottom and top of the hill move closer together horizontally, the slope gets steeper. That's just like the difference between electric potential difference and the electric field. Bonus: Note the importance of calling the electric potential a difference or change in, just like a hill. The change in height is the key, not just the top of the hill. Now back to sparks. A spark is created by a high electric field, not a high voltage. At about three times ten to the power of six volts per meter, you get a spark in air. With a nine-volt battery and assuming a constant electric field for simplicity, you would need two wires to get three micrometers apart to cause a spark. That's one super tiny spark. A simple electric circuit. But there are many cases where a spark is created even with low voltage. In order to understand this, let's first look at a simple circuit, the simplest circuit you could ever imagine. It consists of a battery and a wire. That's it. It's just a battery and a wire. Okay, technically there are two rare earth magnets in there too. They just are an easy way to connect the wire to the battery. And although this is a simple circuit, it's not very useful. In fact, it would be considered a short circuit since there isn't really anything in the path. Without a resistor or anything, the current will get higher than it normally would. This would make the wire get hot, not too crazy hot with just a D-cell battery, but still hot. What happens when I disconnect one of the wires? Let me tell you. Ooh, that wasn't very exciting. A more complicated electric circuit. Now, in another circuit, I'm going to connect another cable to the battery. And notice that there will be a spark both when I connect the battery and when it is disconnected. There are two significant differences between the first circuit and the second. First, I'm using two nine-volt batteries instead of one D-cell battery at just 1.5 volts. Second, I have another device in this circuit, a coil of wire. We call this an inductor. There's a pretty cool relationship between electric and magnetic fields, and that's the basis of the inductor. Let me start with a simpler example. Suppose I have a coil of wire and a magnet. As I move the magnet in and out of this coil, it will produce an electric current. The device is essentially a sensitive meter to detect electric currents, called a galvanometer. A current is produced when the magnet is moving, not just when there is a magnetic field. There must be a changing magnetic field to produce a current. But what if I replace this moving magnet with a coil of wire with a changing current running through it? It could produce the exact same effect as the moving magnet. Even better, I don't need two separate coils. With just one coil and a changing electric current, part of the coil will make a changing magnetic field that will induce an electric current in the other part of the coil. This is the essence of an inductor. Really, the best way to think of an inductor is as a device that produces a change in electric potential, that is proportional to the rate of change of the electric current. When the current is constant, there is no electric potential difference across the inductor, and that is zero volts. When the electric current is changing very rapidly, like going from some current to zero when you open a switch, the electric potential difference across the inductor can be huge. And here is the answer to sparking wires: If the circuit contains an inductor, then opening or closing a switch or pulling off a wire will create a very large change in current, since it goes to zero. This huge current change makes a giant change in electric potential across the inductor.
The giant electric potential difference means that you can get super high electric fields around the contact points. The electric fields can be large enough to be at the three times ten to the six power volts per meter level that would produce a spark. But wait, what if your circuit doesn't have an inductor in it? Here's a surprise for you: every circuit is an inductor. Since every circuit makes a loop, it at least has some inductance in it. So every circuit can spark when you open or close a switch. Only one spark. Back to the Iron Man scene. Why would there only be a spark on the first cable that is removed from the suit? Let's step through this in parts. First, I assume that there is a large current running from the battery to the suit, and then back to the battery. This is a complete circuit. Everything is good. Second, Tony pulls off one of the cables. If there is an inductance in the suit, highly likely. Then this rapid decrease in electric current would induce a large voltage to create a spark. Finally, Tony pulls off the other cable, but there is a big difference. He's already broken the circuit. No complete circuit means no electric current and no change in current. There shouldn't be a second spark. But in the end, it's just a movie and not real physics. Technically, this would be a scientific error, but it doesn't really have any impact on the plot. And even if it was a plot-related error, that's okay. As I've said many times before, I still like Iron Man. This podcast was made possible by Chub. Hear how this broadband network will change millions of lives in Mexico right now. Forty million people in Mexico do not have access to the internet. Our company, Altanredes, is building a network that will connect them to the world. Chap wrote insurance policies that gave the Mexican government, our investors, and partners the confidence they needed to make this happen. They also cover our construction risk, damage to the network, and environmental exposure. For a project this complex, Chap was the one. Hear more stories at chub.com/podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.